Okay, we are live here on the John Riley Project. Thanks for joining us today. Boy, we got a lot in store for you. We got an interesting episode today that I think we're going to cover a lot of different things. We're going to get into some kind of a national news update. We're going to share some thoughts on Ukraine and daylight savings time. And we're going to get in a little bit into the Fernando Tatis story, which is a big deal here in San Diego. Um, but then I'm going to really do a much deeper dive later on in the podcast episode. We're going to talk about a lot of different things going on in my hometown of Poway. And I know I got a lot of viewers and listeners that are here in Poway, and I'm sure you guys will enjoy that part of the content. But yeah, that's what we're doing today. You know, so it is a live stream. We're live streaming on YouTube and on Facebook. So that means that you can participate. So we welcome your thoughts and comments. Just type them in in Facebook or on YouTube. They'll appear here on my screen. Um, and if I'm if I'm uh, alert, I'm going to click on them so you can see the comment on the screen. Um, and we'll have a discussion here because this is meant to be kind of a community forum. We'll have some fun with it. Uh, but I just want to thank you all for joining me. Um, but yeah, I mean, actually, we get into the local stuff. There's a lot of really good things. I mean, it's a lot of it's going to be kind of the follow up on our last podcast episode we did with Pete Neal. And there's some Steve Voss updates and and, um, you know, even like as a big article in the San Diego Union Tribune about this pitching backyard in Poway, which I'm going to get into as well, because that's a very special story here in our hometown, but also special for my family. So uh, God, it's going to be a good episode. So um, we're doing a number of things, by the way, I'm kind of experimenting with a number of things here in the studio. I'm trying to get more cameras dialed in. When Pete was here for the podcast, a couple of um, <laughs> there's Pete on the live stream. Damn it. I'm in the doctor's office. Well, hopefully all is well, Pete. But when Pete was here at the last uh, live stream, we were doing stuff with a second camera and in one of the episodes, we had some trouble. The camera was dropping out. So um, I went out and I made an investment in cameras. I've, I've done some experimentation. So like, first of all, the primary shot for me, you'll see, is like bigger now. But then I'm also switching to a side camera, which maybe you can see here. And then um, kind of an overhead camera behind the scenes a little bit. So I'm just going to have some fun with this and just give you all like a little something different to look at. You know, I'm kind of going to have some fun messing around with it. But the main thing is, is that I want to kind of up the game here in my podcast studio, especially when I have guests here. Because, um, uh, you know, Pete, thanks again for joining us last time. But yeah, we did have a little bit of technical trouble. And so I want to really upgrade what we're doing here. And so I'm still experimenting with some of these things. I still have some more work to do. But overall, I'm pretty pleased with some of the progress. Uh, Pete on the live stream saying here, it's uh, it's just a you know routine visit. Nothing, you know, nothing serious all as well. So glad to hear that, Pete. OK, so the first topic that I really want to get into today is um, – it's about daylight savings time. That was like in the news. And this is just a very interesting topic to me. I know it's kind of a wonky thing, but, you know, the we do this twice a year. We just did it over the weekend. And twice a year, we got to switch the clocks. And I was just telling my wife, like, you know, when we switched them last weekend, I was I said to myself or said to her, I think I've done this over a hundred times in my life, switching the clocks. I mean, it's just a lot of nonsense. It's just a ridiculous sort of ritual that we have that's like a vestiges from the past. Like, why in the hell are we doing this all the time? And then, by the way, you know, 
the U.S. Senate, you know, they passed a bill to to make daylight savings time permanent. Now, it's going to go to the House. Hopefully they vote for it. And then it'll eventually go to President Biden. But you might be thinking, well, wait, didn't we vote on this in California? And we did. In uh, in 2018, and, and by the way, Mike, how you doing? Good to see you out there, Mike Ryan. Um, anyways, in 2018, yeah, we did vote on this, and it was it passed in California, 62 to 38 percent, and that was four years ago. And you're probably thinking, what the hell? How come we keep having to switch the clocks? Didn't we vote on this? Well, what happened is is that when the people voted, that that doesn't work. You know, we talk about how democracy is under attack. This is a threat on democracy. Well, here the people voted and nothing happened because the, the the California state Senate, I think, has to vote for it as well. And they need to get a two thirds majority up in Sacramento. That still, as far as I know, that still hasn't happened yet. And then it's also has to be at least for the California uh, permanent daylight savings time that also has to be approved at the federal level. And obviously that hasn't happened yet specific to California. Well, now this, the, the federal Senate, you know, the, in Washington, D.C., they're talk, they passed a bill to make daylight savings time permanent for the entire United States. And I'm just thinking, hallelujah. Now, granted, it's not a done deal yet, but I'm excited about this. I think this is a good thing because – Besides the fact that it's just total nonsense that we're having to switch the clocks all the time, it's interesting that a lot of people have done some analysis and I said, you know, this affects us physically, mentally. It affects our economy. It affects our health. I mean, this isn't just a trivial thing of switching the clocks back and forth. So, they're, they, you know, they've done analysis on this and it's so disruptive to our sleep schedules that there has been a significant increase in heart attacks and in strokes when we spring forward. Because, you know, when we spring forward, we lose an hour of sleep. And, you know, in the fall, we fall back, so we gain an hour. Um, so there apparently is uh, the rate of heart attacks increases 24% in the days after springing forward. And strokes even go up 8% in the days after we switch our clocks. But the other part of it that... I think it was interesting. I saw this on the news that there was a business that said to their workers, you know, you don't need on the Monday after they change the clocks, you don't need to come in until nine o'clock because they knew people wouldn't be as productive. Right. Sounds a little bit about like about, uh, you know, students and starting school later because they're not mentally awake. They're not mentally alert. So it's it's all interesting now. The other angle to this whole story is the fact that daylight savings time is something that is really helpful for the economy. I mean, if if it's lighter later, then that means a lot more people can be out shopping, out doing things. It's actually very helpful for the economy. So that's pretty cool, too. Um, but why does it exist in the first place, I think, is the question. You know, just based on some of the research I did, this really goes back to like World War One when they were using this as a means of of saving energy. And I remember, wasn't it during the 1970s, didn't they make daylight savings time permanent for a few years? I think Richard Nixon enacted it when he was president, also to save energy. Because obviously, if we are lighter later, it doesn't get dark until later, then there's less 
electricity being used, right? So that's a good thing. Um, but it, it, it is interesting. I mean, there, there's this whole topic of time is kind of an interesting one because the whole idea of time zones, I don't think, was a deal until the late 1800s, right? I think the railroads had to kind of help enact that. Um, but it, it's it just seems like this is such an old-fashioned idea. And we've heard stories about, oh, yeah, it's going to affect the children walking to school, walking home from school. Yeah, that, that's true. It will affect them. There's apparently some stories about farmers. Apparently they wanted earlier. I, I don't understand that because it seems to me farmers don't care what the clock says. They just they start working when the sun is up. But it is interesting to me. So anyways, I'm I'm here to tell you we need to make this thing permanent. I mean, just make this damn thing permanent. So it is nice to see there is at least a little bit of progress on this. So I welcome your thoughts and comments on the live stream. Type them in. Let me know what you think. Um, and we can you know, share your thoughts. And I love that's what I love about the podcast is it's a live stream. Get a lot of interesting questions and comments. So, uh, you know, we're you know, by the way, we're live streaming on Facebook and YouTube. At the same time, we're also running the recorded version of this podcast on all the popular podcast platforms, you know, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher. I mean, we're on probably like 12 different podcast platforms, maybe even more that I'm unaware of. So uh, you can always check out the episodes there. So, you know, if you want to continue the conversation, you can always do that on social media. Go to my website, connectwithjohnny.com, and there you'll see all of my social media links, where you can like and follow and continue the conversation on social media. And oh, by the way, all those podcast platforms are listed there at connectwithjohnny.com. I encourage you to, you know, subscribe to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, you know, subscribe, click on the bell. Um, And if you're watching the episodes, feel free to give it a thumbs up if you think you know, if you think this is a good episode, give us a thumbs up, you know, only if you think we deserve it. Um, but uh, I encourage your participation. So, yeah, you can go to Connect with Johnny for more information. All right. Let's get into Ukraine. And, uh, you know, Ukraine, this is a topic that I've um, – haven't done much commentary on it. It's been so dominant in the news. And I know a lot of people are really following this in a very high level of detail. And I know there's a lot of veterans that have a very unique perspective, a lot more knowledgeable on what's going on. And you know, I've only been sort of following it you know, peripherally. But there are a number of things going on with this that I just kind of felt I just needed to express myself. And so, heck, I have a platform to do it. So here I am. Um, now, you know, obviously, we're all seeing all the carnage on television and it's tragic and families are being displaced. And I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of destruction that's going on for this thug Putin going in, blowing up buildings, killing people. For what? I mean, he went in under the premise of he wanted to denazify Ukraine. I mean, that was a, a bunch of baloney. I mean, ultimately, this is about power. This is about rebuilding the Russian Empire, rebuilding the USSR. And there's a lot of strategic value to having Ukraine, you know, besides the fact that it's a fantastic um, kind of a breadbasket. You know, it's a great agricultural area, great mineral mining. It has access to the Black Sea. It's a strategic place for Russia. Um, but so much of the news has been 
just a lot of emotional heartstrings, right? You know, uh, going to the families that are separated, families that are that are uh, refugees in Poland. You know, you, you see a lot of the emotional side of this, which you know kind of makes you wonder why. You know, some is this war propaganda? Is this um, you know just trying to generate more eyeballs on this in the news? I'm sure it's a it's a good deal of both of that. I mean, there's certainly a contingent here in America that would love to see the United States military enter this conflict. They would love to see American troops, American aircraft that are actively involved in keeping Putin back. But, you know, is that really the right thing for us to do? And then besides that, there's all kinds of just, you know, general hysteria about what's going on. And there was an episode that I only saw the clips of this on YouTube, but it was really interesting to me that – on The View, you ever watch The View? You know, Whoopi Goldberg is on there, Joy Behar, and they have like a rotating set of characters that are on that show. It seems to change every couple of years. But what was interesting is, is that they were the host on some of the, you know, the, some of the hosts on The View were demanding that the Department of Justice investigate Tucker Carlson on Fox News. And investigate former congresswoman and former presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard on the comments that she made about the the potential bio labs that are in Ukraine that are funded by the United States. And and so there are accusations that that, um, you know, the, the, the we have people in the media that are puppets for Putin. We have people in the media that are spreading, you know, Mitt Romney accused Tulsi Gabbard of spreading treasonous lies. And to me, this is just unbelievable. The whole thing is just crazy. I mean, imagine the thought of of having a Department of Justice investigation on someone's individual free speech or on the freedom of the press. Now, I'm no fan of Tucker Carlson. I mean, I rarely ever watch Fox News. I never watch it directly. I might watch a clip on YouTube like once in a blue moon. But I know there's a lot of people that hate Tucker Carlson, a lot of people that love him. But you can't be dragging media people into the Department of Justice when we have a First Amendment that guarantees the freedom of the press. Now, that doesn't mean you have to like what they say. Now, is he a puppet for Putin? Yeah, he might be. I mean, I don't know. It's possible. But we're not at war with Putin. You know, right now, Russia is a rival, but Russia is not necessarily an enemy. We're not at war with them. And even if we were at war with them, you can't suddenly suspend the First Amendment. But that's what a lot of people want to do. And they also want investigations, these people on The View, which is kind of a ridiculous show in, in you know, on its, on its face. But a lot of them want to see an investigation into Tulsi Gabbard. You know, apparently, you know, again, she, she said that the United States is funding bio research facilities in Ukraine. And people were saying, oh, that's just a Putin talking point. That's Putin propaganda. We can't allow this sort of thing to happen. This is treason. And it's not treason. I mean, it's not like they're giving up state secrets. And besides, it's been confirmed that there are bio-research labs in Ukraine. Now, whether or not they're used as biological weapons, whether or not they're U.S.-funded, I don't know. 
But there are definitely biological research facilities in Ukraine. I mean, frankly, there's probably biological research facilities in most um, countries on the planet. Um, and yeah, that would be a risk. I mean, I don't, doesn't matter what they have, what kind of research they have going on in those labs. I mean, if that kind of a lab got blown up, I mean, it could create a tremendous amount of, of risk to the people in that area. So her comments weren't that out of line. In fact, they probably were still within the lane. But this whole thing has been politicized to the point that it's almost like McCarthyism from the 1950s, where if someone is being accused, they, you know, in the 50s, they accused people of being communists. Now they're accusing people of being Russian assets, of being Russian propagandists, of being puppets for Putin. And I'm thinking, wait a minute here. Um This is the United States of America, where we have a First Amendment in our Bill of Rights that guarantees free expression and guarantees the freedom of the press. Now, that doesn't mean you need to like what they say, but they absolutely have the right to say it and to condemn people to the point where you want them to be investigated by authorities with the potential to be found as a felon or for the potential to be thrown in jail for the words people say? I mean, what in the heck are these people? They've lost sight of what America is supposed to be all about. I talk about in this podcast how this podcast is about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, the First Amendment is about liberty. Chris Sohei on the live stream says, it's a litigious culture. Um, yeah, it is. You know, people want to sue others. They want to point the finger. They want to blame someone else. In this case, they don't just want to sue them. They want the authorities to investigate them, authorities that have the power to lock people up in cages for what they say. I mean, come on, people. I mean, to me, this is just crazy. Now, the latest part of this is that I guess President Zelensky who is, I mean, the guy is pretty amazing dude. I mean, we've heard all the stories about, you know, how he's out on the streets, he's fighting, he's with the people. Um, This is a guy that knows how to play the role of a president because he actually played the role of a president on a television show before he was elected president. But he, he understands the media. He understands how to use the media to his advantage. And I'll give him great credit for it. And he's showing a tremendous amount of bravery. Well, apparently he came before... Was that I don't know the you know a joint house of Congress today asking for a no fly zone over Ukraine, essentially guaranteeing that Russian planes, Russian bombs could not be you know dropped out of the sky on the people of Ukraine. And I'm thinking, if the U.S. agreed to that, I mean we're going to start a war with Russia because. If it was just like we had the no-fly zone over Iraq, I mean, that started right after Gulf War One, back when president, well, the president was Clinton in the 90s. And the U.S. military, to enforce that no-fly zone, was shooting down Iraqi airplanes, Iraqi fighter jets. Is that what we want to do? Do we want to shoot down Russian MiGs that are flying over Ukraine? You know, I don't think so. I mean, to me, this is dangerous. To me, this this is not a war 
that America needs to be involved in. It's tragic what's happening. The people that need to fight are the Ukrainians and the Europeans, because this is a regional war. This doesn't involve NATO. So America has no legal reason to be involved in this. Now, granted, the things that, that, are, that America is doing and things that Joe Biden is doing to apply economic pressure on the Russians, yeah, generally, I'm pretty supportive of that. And I think that's good. We're using our muscle in a way that we can or we can you know, influence change. But really, who does that really affect? It mostly affects the people of Russia. It may not affect Putin. And his team. I mean, he got all of his ducks in a row before he launched this war. But, you know, I I think you have to ask yourself this question. Would you, if you believe in this war in Ukraine, that America needs to fight in this war, which I don't believe in. But if you did, would you want to send your son or daughter into Ukraine and potentially die in Ukraine? Are you prepared to do that. Now, I'm not. The United States military should defend the United States of America. We have a Department of Defense to defend the United States of America. We've been acting as the world's police for way too long. It's unsustainable. Granted, we have power, we have resources that most nations don't have. Our military is massively more powerful than any other military on the planet. But we have to pick and choose the, the, the situations that we choose to deploy our forces. If America is attacked, we have to respond. But America is not being attacked here in Ukraine. Now, Germany is ramping up their defense spending. That's smart. The Europeans need to coalesce around this and provide, put a united front together. I know some of the European leaders actually met with Zelensky in Kiev to kind of give a big F you to Putin and to demonstrate solidarity. Love that. Absolutely love it. Now, is Putin going to go further? That's the the question. And I think a lot of people believe he very well may be because Putin, what he said was that the biggest disappointment in his life was the disintegration of the USSR, where his people, the Russians, they lost face. They took a punch in the nose. It harmed their national pride. And they began to be to be looked upon as weak on the national stage. That's what Putin's trying to do. He's trying to rebuild the USSR. So if he's successful in winning over Ukraine, will he stop there? Now, I don't think he's going to be able to, to defeat Ukraine. I, I, I think we're seeing remarkable efforts by the Ukrainian military to fight back using drones to take out tanks. I mean, some of it's pretty exciting. Now, Russian forces are obviously tremendously more powerful, but they're not as powerful as people think they are. It's possible that they end up coming 
to a, a stalemate in Ukraine and they, they resolve it. Hopefully they will the next few weeks. Now, if they're able to have a quick victory, yeah, this very well could progress. Now, if it progresses into a NATO country, then America is now suddenly involved because we have that contractual agreement with all the other NATO nations, where if you attack one, you attack all. Now, say what you will about NATO. I don't think NATO is something that America should be in in the first place. NATO maybe made some sense after World War II, but... And NATO makes a great deal of sense for the Europeans. But I don't believe NATO really is something that America should be in. America needs to defend America. And we can exert influence around the world in in the ways that we do. But if Russia, hypothetically, were to attack Estonia or Lithuania, the Baltic states, where they share borders, then and the, and those 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 uh, Baltic states are members of NATO. Is that a reason that we should send our own sons and our own daughters to hypothetically to Lithuania to risk their lives and die to save Lithuania? I don't think so. To me, that is immoral to put our own people at risk to fight on behalf of another nation. Now, if people want to volunteer to do it, awesome. If, you know, if other nations there feel, you know, it's in their best interest to do this because they want to stop the spread. Well, yeah, you know, if you're in Poland or if you're in Hungary, if you're in Bulgaria, yeah, you're probably really nervous right now. But NATO will need to step in if it affects another nation. And in my opinion, NATO is not something that America should be in. But we are. We are in NATO. That is the reality. And so, yeah, we're, we're, I'm sure, you know, the military is getting ready because the minute Putin crosses the line, they're going to be ready. But this whole thing is, is, is unbelievable to me. Now, the other part of this that I thought was kind of interesting is, um, and Chris shared a thought here, fantastic content here. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. You know, we tried to weigh in a lot on some local issues here in San Diego and Poway, but I just kind of felt compelled to share some thoughts about Ukraine. Um, here, here's another thought. You know, I, I was chatting with my wife and I was saying, you know, what would we do if we were in Ukraine? And I said to her, you know, I said, obviously, I get you out. And at first I thought, yeah, I should probably leave too. But then I thought, well, I can't leave, assuming I'm a Ukrainian. Because if you're a male between the ages of 18 and 60, you have to stay and fight. And I'm less than 60. But then I thought about it a little further. And I said to myself, you know, This is something to fight for. Now, assuming I was a Ukrainian and there's another nation that's attacking my family, that's attacking my property, that's attacking my culture and my way of life. Well, this is absolutely what you should fight for. 
And so that's the beauty of this whole thing. When I see the Ukrainians that are out there fighting, I mean, we're seeing women with AK-47s defending their nation. You know, this kind of brings up a whole topic about, you know, the Second Amendment in America. I'm not going to go there. That's a, that's a rabbit hole. But it is interesting to see people defending their own nation with regular people with weapons fighting back. So, again, I, you know, I'm not following this issue in tremendous detail, but it is interesting to me. And um, it, it really it, – it was mostly this McCarthyism stuff that's going on where people are being accused of being a Russian asset. That really – that really tweaked me. And then I did just this thought about, you know, if I were a Ukrainian, what would I do? That had me really reflect on this. And so I just felt like sharing that with you. So what's going to happen? We don't know. I mean, this is going to kind of continue for a while. Hopefully, they're going to reach some kind of a settlement here soon, especially if Putin, his forces kind of slow down, bog down. I mean, it is amazing, really, that they're there in the wintertime. And then in the spring, when the snow is melting and the tanks are going to get caught in the mud, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that they pick this particular time to do this. But at any rate, I, I just felt compelled to share some thoughts on the matter in Ukraine. So what are your thoughts? Feel free to leave them here on the live stream. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said earlier, you can, um, you can always go to um, connect with Johnny connectwithjohnny.com is my webpage where all my social media links are there. We can continue the conversation online. And we always have a really robust discussion in typically in Facebook and YouTube after these episodes, but I'm always on Twitter and Twitter is kind of like where I love hanging out. So, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me there and you can get all my handles there at connectwithjohnny.com. Um, okay. Uh, I want to get into a couple of more things here. And um, I want to get into Fernando Tatis, and then I really want to do a deep dive on some Poway issues. So the, one, the Fernando Tatis story is very interesting to me, and, and I kind of have a unique take on this as well. So here we go on this. So you may have heard the story, Fernando Tatis the the phenom, the shortstop for the San Diego Padres, the guy who signed a $340 million contract over 14 years. This guy is the face of the Padres, in many ways the face of baseball, shows up for training camp with a broken wrist. He's going to have surgery out three months. We may not see him till the All-Star break, until after the All-Star break in mid-July. I mean, just a terrible news. Horrible news for the Padres. So, you know, for me, and this is like very personal to me because baseball gives me a great deal of happiness. It always has all my life. You know, we talk about Pete Neal and Corvette happiness. We did a whole episode on that. In fact, we have a T-shirt for Corvette happiness. You can go out to um, our website, happiness76.com. We've got a whole bunch of swag celebrating life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have a Corvette happiness t-shirt out there. I'm big on baseball happiness. I mean, I played baseball as a young kid. I love the sport. I coach my kids in baseball and softball here in Poway. Um, 
have followed the sport. I mean, I'm a gigantic Padres and Giants fan. Um, you know, even when my my son was playing ball here in Poway, I was the announcer, the PA announcer at the games, which I loved. It was so much fun. And I've even done a little bit of play-by-play announcing at Poway High on live taking some of my live stream gear. Had a ton of fun with that. Um, I should do a uh, a little short video sometime in my office in my house. I have a big, uh, you know, uh, sports memorabilia collection. I have all my baseball cards that I collected as a child and I have them all up on the wall. At least I have one giant frame of all Padres cards, another frame, all Giants cards, another giant frame, all Oakland A's cards, because those are my three teams. And then I got you know two other frames, one all National League All-Stars and Hall of Famers, another one American League All-Stars and Hall, uh, and Hall of Famers. So it's like a lot of baseball. And I, I love a sport. And uh, a couple more comments here on the live stream from Tony Russo. Tony, how you doing? Um, love and family conquers all. We need to remember that this should never, ever happen. I think we're talking a little bit about Ukraine there. Uh, Chris Soe says, leave Nando alone, John. Let's see Clevenger and Lament pitch. How about that staff? I mean, yeah. I mean, Snell, Darvish, Clevenger, and Musgrove. Oh, my God. And then there's going to be competition for that fifth spot. Now, can Clevenger come back from a second Tommy John? That's a tough ask. That's a big ask. Now, Darvish is apparently healthy. The, the hip is looking good. I think Snell will get his act together. Musgrove is, you know, he's solid. Clevenger's a big question mark. Uh, but it's, I, I mean, there's so much promise, so much hope with the Padres the last couple of years. Uh, but this was a big punch in the nose when Tatis broke his wrist. And, and granted, he broke his wrist riding a motorcycle. And this is just kind of funny because – I don't know if you remember the story. Do you remember Jeff Kent? He played second base for the Padres and the Dodgers. And then he he broke his his, uh, his hand or his wrist or something like that on a motorcycle accident. And this is like, I don't know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. But he lied about it. And he said he fell off his when his truck while he was washing his truck. Because th- these players know that they, they aren't supposed to be riding on motorcycles, especially riding a motorcycle recklessly. That can end an injury because Jeff Kenton, he was trying to do wheelies on the motorcycle. Now, we, I don't know the circumstances of Tatis's injury. He's apparently, he, you know, it, it, the, the news leaked out of the Dominican Republic back in December, you know, kind of slowly. And finally, they admitted there was a motorcycle accident, but he sort of brushed it aside. You know, it's just bumps and bruises. No big deal. But what, what happened? And I don't think we really know. Now, the sad part of this whole deal is that um, is that he couldn't seek out medical help because it was the the Major League Baseball lockout. You know, you would think that if he broke his wrist or had a serious injury, he'd call the team, have him check get himself checked out. But he didn't. Now, you, one could say, oh, it's because there was a lockout. He couldn't contact team officials. But a lot of the doctors aren't employees of the team. The doctors are, you know, they work. They're doctors, right? They, they have their own practice. And then, oh, by the way, they help the team out. He definitely could have seeked professional medical advice that would have been aligned with what the team wants, even during the lockout. But he didn't. And I think the reason is, is because he, 
he didn't want to admit that he made this mistake. He was trying to keep it all on the lowdown. And so he shows up for you know training camp, finds out his, his wrist is injured. So the part that I think, and, and why this is important to me, and this goes beyond my love of baseball. And this really goes to the whole idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Is that you need to take your life seriously. And your pursuit of happiness isn't necessarily just to pursue just some fleeting moment of joy, like goofing off on a motorcycle. Your pursuit of happiness needs to be a long-term, a long-term plan. And that's what was so disappointing with this. Now, some will say, well, this is just a maturity issue. Just a young man making mistakes. He's only, how old is he? Maybe 22, 23? Heck, that's, that's about my son's age. And it could be a maturity issue, but it goes, it's deeper than that. And I think this is the message that I want to share within the context of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, because to manage your own life effectively, I mean, you have the liberty to make choices. You can make good choices and bad choices, but you need to make good choices all the way, all along the way. And your pursuit of happiness needs to be this idea of living according to your own values rather than just some moment of goofing off and, and laughing. And sometimes I wonder if Tatis does a little bit too much of that. Now, it's irrational. He didn't seek scientific um, help on this. Frankly, there's a lot of honesty issues here too. Not so much that he was dishonest to the fans, and one could say that, but he was almost dishonest to himself, not really accepting the real reality of what happened. Almost a matter of a little bit of self-deception, sort of pretending it's not a big deal. I mean, to me, this is very irrational. It's wrong. And then there's an integrity issue. This is a guy that's, that when he signed that contract, he's, he embraced the idea of being the face of the Padres, being the face of Major League Baseball. And here he is goofing off, taking unnecessary risks that not only are damaging to him and his long-term aspirations, but also potentially damaging to his own financial future. Um, in many ways, a violation of his own integrity. And then finally, you know, this could dramatically affect his productivity. Productiveness is what really gives us happiness. When we're doing things in our life, when we are producing, when we are creating, when we are building, just like I do with this podcast, I get a great sense of happiness from it. Not just a simple feel-good moment, but the fact that I'm creating, I'm building, I'm being productive. When we injure yourself like this senselessly, that undermines that. I think that's important to point out. Now, we got a couple more comments on the, on the live stream. Chris Sohei says, Nando's a kid. Thank God it's not drugs or a shoulder. Well, he does have a shoulder issue. And yeah, he is a kid. It, it is definitely a maturity thing going on here. But he needs to get better advice. And hopefully he's going to get that. Now, apparently he said, you know, I'm going to be a lot more serious now. I'm not going to let this happen in my future. And hopefully he learns from this. He, you know, Manny Machado got on his case. We saw that outburst in the dugout last season. 
So, I mean, this kid is just a phenomenal talent, an incredible personality. The guy could make a huge impact on the game for all the right reasons. And obviously, we're blessed to have him here in San Diego. But kids got to grow up here. And um, that's important. And Chris Sohei says, well, who's going to play shortstop? That's a great question. So, I mean, the obvious candidate's Ha Song Kim, the Korean who came and joined us. Uh, was it last season was his rookie year? Um, defensively, he, he'd be great. I mean, offensively, the jury's out. But you would assume that he's going to be better this year. The kid that I'd love to see is C.J. Abrams, um, who is very much like Tatis was in 2020. Or was it 20? No, it's 2019 when Tatis came up. And he was the phenom minor leaguer that had the it factor that was so obvious that Machado and, and Hosmer went in to the manager and general manager and demanded, or even the ownership, I think, and demanded that Tatis be on the major league roster. C.J. Abrams could be that same kind of guy. Now imagine, let's just for the sake of discussion, assume that C.J. Abrams is as talented as Tatis or close to that. Imagine plugging him into shortstop, his native position. And then when Tatis comes back midseason, now suddenly you got some pretty interesting decisions to make. Now, thankfully, with the designated hitter, you know, we have openings in the outfield right now. Still don't have a left fielder. There's, there, this makes the roster compilation a lot more interesting. But is C.J. Abrams ready? Now, apparently, Bob Melvin said that Abrams is going to get a lot of reps in practice. I mean, in spring training at shortstop. I look forward to that. Now, Hassan Kim definitely could play that role very well. And we can get some upside with the bat. But C.J. Abrams is like appears to be a whole other level up. I mean, if we didn't have Tatis, Abrams would be the heir apparent to that shortstop job the minute he's ready. So we'll see. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for uh, spring training. Um, and, you know, I was obviously really disappointed with the lockout, but they're going to get started opening days on April 7th. I mean, this is a, I always love March is one of my favorite sports months. March and October are my two favorites because March got March madness, right? The Aztecs are going to start. They're going to play their first game tomorrow night, Thursday night against Creighton. I'm a huge Aztec fan. Uh, usually spring training is going and now they're finally getting the, the going and we're getting, you know, kind of near the NBA end of the NBA season. So that's usually getting a little more hot and heavy. March is a great sports month. And so is October, right? You figure uh, baseball playoffs, the NBA getting started, football's kind of in full swing by then. So all good. <laughs> all right, Pete, you're home now. Hope your doctor appointment went well. What did you miss? Well, we talked a great deal about Ukraine, Pete, and I know you would have had some good comments on Ukraine. Um, talked a little bit about the daylight savings time switch, and I shared some thoughts on Fernando Tatis. Okay. Um, now now I want to get into the main part of this episode uh, is to talk about some local things in my hometown of Poway. Now, we let off because I wanted to kind of do a news update. I want to weigh in on a couple of things. We've got some great comments here on the live stream. Oh, by the way, Tony Russo says, great show, Johnny. Baseball is awesome. Poway National Little League tonight. That's great. My son played at Poway National. I managed there. I was the president of the league there. Gosh, like 10 years ago. Um, you know, Imagine that, being a president 
of the board of directors of a little league. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, being the focal point of a lot of people's anger. <laughs> that's that's it. Um, that was a big test for me. And that went, I mean, I had to make a lot of hard decisions then. But uh, all good. So thanks, Tony. Hope you and your family enjoy that. Uh, but Pete, yeah, what did you miss? Well, we're, let's get into some of these local topics. And the first thing I want to talk about is uh, <laughs> is the Voss video. Now, maybe you you might have seen this. We did the a podcast. I don't know, it was a couple of weeks ago, and I talked a lot about the failed recall of Steve Voss, and we went through that. We went through all the reasons that our locals um, here in Poway. There was a group of people led by Christopher Olps that were trying to recall Mayor Voss, and they had a whole list of grievances. You know, kind of like when Martin Luther. Uh, hammered his list of grievances of the Christian church on the door of the, I don't know, what was the the detail on? I can't remember. But they had their own list of grievances. Um, Pete Neal commenting here, a little Ukraine commentary. I think it's poetic that the USS Harry Truman is the ship assigned to the Aegean when Zelensky mentions Pearl Harbor this morning. Now, I didn't see Zelensky's speech. We talked a lot about the no-fly zone. Pete, you got to go back and check out the earlier part of the podcast. Um, But let's get back to this comments here on Poway. So I released that video and, um, you know, I I, I broke that podcast into chunks is what I've been trying to do lately. And what I did is I broke out just that that Steve Voss video and I posted that on a lot of on a lot of other social media platforms, just the segment about the Steve Voss recall. And I got I mean. That video made a lot of rounds or a lot of interesting commentary, kind of lit up a couple of social media threads, a lot of comments about everything related to Steve Voss. Well, the amazing part of this is this, and this is the beauty of doing this podcast and covering a lot of local content. I got contacted from one of our viewers who had seen the episode and said, hey, I saw your episode about the recall of Steve Voss. I'd love to talk to you. And oh, by the way, I live out in the Stone Ridge community, and yeah, you know, we have some concerns about Steve Voss. I don't think you really shared all of the story. Can you sit down and meet with me? And so I went over to this gentleman's house. I'm not going to say his name. I went over to there, went over to his house, and just had a wonderful discussion. I mean, really, it's just wonderful. The people I've met on this podcast has been so awesome. I mean, really, so awesome. Um, and we sat out on his porch and really we talked for two hours, um, about the podcast episode, about some of his challenges, about other Poway issues. It was really interesting. Um, and, uh, it was also interesting driving to his home and it's, you know, in the, the greater Stone Ridge community where they're building the farm in Poway. I mean, have you been up there lately? Oh, my God. I mean, the the amount of earth movers that are out there, I mean, it's – I mean, this is kind of the most difficult part of the um, most radical change is when they really cleared it. And now they're setting up all the pads for the houses. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of change is happening there. Um, so – but it was interesting that this this gentleman was – knew that there were going to be changes at Stone Ridge and knew they were coming and didn't necessarily have a problem with the changes at Stone Ridge. He just wanted to make sure that it was a solution that made sense 
for him and the people in the Stone Ridge area. When Remember back in 2017 when they had the proposition on the ballot? Back when um, – what was the guy's name? I'm, now I'm thinking Zelensky. That's not his name. Uh, the guy that's, uh, that owns the property there. His name escapes me. Um, when they had the ballot proposition in 2017 that was going to convert some of that property into senior condos, 55 and over condos, and still preserve at least nine holes, if not 18 holes of the golf course. Schlesinger is the guy's name, yeah. And so remember the voters shot that down in 2017. Because they didn't like Schlesinger and they didn't like his tactics when he spread manure all over the Escondido Country Club to get the people there to change the zoning so he could build housing. People didn't want to have the same thing happen at Poway. They wanted to stick it to Schlesinger. But the people there in that Stone Ridge area, they were okay with that 2017 proposal. What's interesting is, is that a group of them went and met with the city, with city officials, with elected city leaders, and they all basically told them, you guys need to go and cut a deal with Schlesinger. And so they did. They went and talked to Schlesinger, and and so they, they, they came up with this plan. Now, I don't know how much the local Stone Ridge people influenced that original plan that was on the 2017 ballot, but they were generally for it. At least some of the people there. Now, granted, there are some people in the Stone Ridge area that wanted nothing of it. But these people, they were, they were okay with it. And then when it went on the ballot, a lot of the city leaders just kind of went quiet on it. They didn't really weigh in. They didn't really promote a side. They didn't really, you know, after they told the citizens to go work a deal, they didn't back the citizens that were trying to make the deal work. And that left a lot of people in the Stone Ridge community very disappointed. That's what this guy was expressing to me. A very interesting discussion. Um, And what's interesting is that he had this creative idea. He said, imagine if they had built a senior community at Stone Ridge, 55 and over, just like the plan in 2017, would have preserved the golf course, preserved a great amount of the open space. They could have put a senior center in that facility, thus not requiring the city to go out and spend, I don't know, how much is it, $10 million, $13 million for the new senior center down at the Poway Community Center area by Poway Community Park. Could have saved the city money. That was a really interesting idea to me. Um, But now they're really bummed out because now, according to them, according to the folks there in Stone Ridge, Now, this new proposal, well, the one that was approved, they think it's worse. And yeah, it probably is from their perspective because there's going to be less open space. And they're going to be regular single-family homes rather than seniors. Seniors aren't usually out on the road much. They're not commuting to work on the freeway. But now they're putting in single-family homes. There's going to be a lot more impact on the community. So it was, it was, it was, I mean, I was really surprised to hear that, that this group was actually supportive of the original proposal, and they were really disappointed it didn't pass. 
but more disappointed that they never got the support from city leadership to back the citizens that were pushing for this solution. Now, the end result, the reality is they're building there. And I told you before, I'm generally supportive of it. I was supportive of the 2017 plan that failed. And I'm supportive of the new plan that passed in 2020, the Kevin McNamara plan, the farm in Poway. I'm generally supportive of people having private property and building on it. But I realize different plans have different nuances, different versions. But it's interesting to hear his perspective, especially driving up to his house and seeing the unbelievable amount of change in that community. Now, this gave rise to the conversation about the recall, which was in the video. And and this was he was one of those people that was very dissatisfied with, with our mayor, Steve Voss, but didn't necessarily approve of the recall because they, they didn't like the timing of it. Remember, the recall failed. They didn't get enough signatures to even get it on the ballot to give voters a chance to recall the mayor. And we had, we had talked about that, how there were some people that were out there that maybe didn't support the mayor, but also didn't like the idea of a recall just a few months before his term en- ended and had a reelection anyways, and also didn't want to deal with the expense of a recall. This guy was one of those. And there's a, I'm sure there's a pretty significant contingent of people here in Poway that feel the same. But this guy was asking me, he says, we need to get someone to run against Voss in November of 2022. And he says, do you know anyone? I'm like, I don't, I don't know anyone. I mean, it's, I, I know Yuri Bolin's going to run. I should have, I, and I did say that. But I don't know really anyone. Who else is running for mayor in 2022? We're going to find out. I think it's going to be a fascinating election. Um, now, this this will gets into to some of the discussion of our last podcast episode. The one with Pete Neal and his big announcement that he's not running for District 1 City Council in Poway this election cycle. You know, I thought all along he would be running. He has been talking about it for a while sometimes playfully dancing with the idea, other times being very direct that he was going to run for Poway City Council. But after some long and hard thought, he decided not to do it. And he met with Hiram Soto, who's also running in District 1 and is a candidate that Pete Neal supports. So he's, give, he's, he's stepping back and supporting Hiram Soto in his election effort in District 1. And I told you on the last podcast, I thought that was very noble of Pete to do that because he wanted to ensure that his point of view had the best chance of success. And it wasn't necessarily about his aspirations. It was about what he thought doing the right thing is. And Pete Neal on the live stream, already chiming in. I'm talking about you, Pete. Hiram Soto listens. Pete made that comment. He appears to represent you, and he listens. And that was at least 80% of what Pete Neal was all about in his 2018 campaign. So it was interesting, that podcast episode, because a lot of things happened since then. We've not only had some really good conversation online, as we always do. A lot of interesting conversation in the YouTube thread of that podcast episode, as well as on Facebook. And I welcome your thoughts and comments. Join us on social media where we we talk further. 
But Hiram Soto weighed in and was very appreciative of Pete taking this, making this announcement to back Hiram. And we're still very early in the election cycle. Usually most people are not seriously running until maybe June. I think the deadline to file is, is usually like in late July, early August. And usually local elections don't really start getting hot and heavy until Labor Day anyways. Um, but, you know, Hiram announced early. Good on him. And then Pete made the decision early on to take a step back. But Hiram was very gracious. He actually shared our podcast episode with others. And we had a nice conversation. I invited Hiram to be a guest on the John Riley Project. He's always welcome. As you know, all political candidates are welcome as guests on this podcast, whether they're running here locally for city council or mayor in Poway, whether they're running for Poway School Board, or whether they're running for county seats, for city of San Diego, city of Escondido. They're running for Congress. We had Fernando Garcia, who was a, con- a candidate for Congress in, in 2018, run at, ran as an independent. Hats off to Fernando. Um, so we welcome all political candidates here on the John Riley Project. We have some really good conversations. But um, I do think it, it is worth mentioning this. Oh, Pete Neal, a little more comments here. We, now we have to ensure that D3 and the mayor listens. That's three votes of five. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. We don't know who's running against Mayor Steve Voss. Well, I mean, we know Yuri is, but Yuri hasn't officially announced, has he? I don't know. Has anyone else announced? Usually there's going to be like three, four, five people running for mayor. And then for District 3 in Poway, which is, by the way, where I live, this is the the district represented by John Mullen, it is assumed that he's going to retire. And if he does, who's going to run for that seat? We're going to find out. And to your point, Pete, yeah, we need to have elected leaders that listen. And elected leaders that represent the people. Now, granted, elected leaders have to make a lot of hard choices because in their constituency, there's a lot of different opinion. They can't always represent every particular point of view, but they need to listen, no doubt about it. And that's been a criticism of our city council. How well do they listen? I think we can agree that some do better than others. So, um, but I do want to put this out on the table. And I, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast a few months ago. I had, a, I met with Brian Pepin. Brian is the candidate that has previously announced for District 1 in Poway. He actually reached out to me and noted, knew that I was a, a podcaster commenting on local Poway topics. And he said, I'd love to get together for a cup of coffee. And we, we did. We met at the, the Starbucks right there um, next to Target. And we had a really good conversation. Um, Brian Pepin is a guy that um, in many ways is of similar, um, in in many ways is similar to Hiram Soto, in many ways very different. Um, Brian Pepin is a smart guy, just like Hiram is. Uh, Brian Pepin is also politically active, probably to a greater degree than Hiram Soto is. Uh, Brian Pepin is the president, I think, of the Lincoln Club, which is a downtown lobbying group, a business lobbying group. He's actually campaigned for other candidates in the Republican Party 
very active politically, a political guy, very active in our local city. He's on the city, uh, the Poway Budget Review Committee, which is actually a, 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 a post that I served about 12 years ago, actually more like 14 years ago. Uh, and it's interesting to me that he addressed, I asked him the question, one of the criticisms of Brian Pepin, or really one of the criticisms of the city council as it relates to Brian Pepin, was that he is uh, he was appointed to the Budget Review Committee and then was reappointed for another two-year term. The, the accusation being that the cronies of the city council, the people that the city council likes, are getting reappointed to, you know, the, the budget review committee is a pretty plum committee assignment because you have to, you learn a lot about the city. If, you, if you've been on the budget review committee, that's almost a litmus test of how well you understand the operations of the city. It's an important thing for a candidate to tout. And so when Brian Pepin was reappointed a second time over other potential candidates, it really raised a lot of eyebrows, a lot of, a lot of people were angry about it, but Pepin described it to me like, like this. And I think this is an interesting way to present it is that prior to the, prior to the way the committee worked is that there would be two year terms and there'd be five people. And every two years, all five of them would roll over. And so when you're on the budget review committee, I was on it. It's like drinking from a fire hose. I mean, it is unbelievable the amount of information that you get being on this committee, the amount of data and numbers you go over. I mean, you're in the weeds of learning about all the initiatives going on at the detail level in every single department in the city and going over the numbers and the, and the, the things that departments are asking for and whether or not those should be in the budget or not, making recommendations. I mean, it's a very, a very intense job. I was also on the Poway Parks and Rec Committee. That was a lot easier. <laughs> you know, you're going meeting once a quarter, mostly approving some of the initiatives that the Parks and Rec Committee is doing. That's a much easier assignment. But the way Pepin described it to me is, is that they wanted to stagger it. So every five years, you didn't have five rookies. So that way you'd have, just like with city council, you have three that would turn over um, on one year and then two another year, and then it would stagger so that there were always a couple of people on the committee that had some prior knowledge and it made the committee really a lot more effective because the, you didn't have five people ramping up all at once. That makes sense to me. Now, granted, you know, whether or not Brian Pepin should have been the guy and I know, you know, Brian Pepin is definitely very much aligned with are city leaders. I mean, after all, the people that are on these committees are appointed by the councilman and the mayor. So, but it, you know, it was an interesting discussion and I, I extended an invitation to Brian Pepin, just as I have to Hiram Soto, that I welcome them to join me on this podcast to have a conversation about these issues in Poway. I think that's important. I think it's really important. Uh, Pete Neal on the live stream Marginal majority means that the issue gets discussed in depth and compromises are made. Yeah, you're right. So that's what we'd like to see from our elected leaders, right? Is listening to the people, channeling their their needs, wants, and desires, which I know is a big part of Pete's platform. But, you know, at the same time, 
these candidates have their own agendas. And that's a big reason why people vote for them or against them. I would imagine that Brian Pepin and Hiram Soto are going to have a certain overlap in their agenda. And there's going to be certain issues where they have disagreement. And I'm really looking forward to this race coming down. And I hope that no other candidates enter the District 1 race. Because I think Hiram Soto is representative of a voice in Poway that has been largely unrepresented on the city council. You know, this kind of speaks to the whole South Poway versus North Poway thing. Um, Hiram Soto, I, I don't know what political party he's in, but I know for sure he's not a Republican. Um, and I, as far as I know, everyone on the city council is a Republican. And everyone on the city council mostly kind of agrees on most things, <laughs> except for the stop sign at Martin Coit and Stone Canyon. Um, so it would be nice, in my opinion, in some ways to see Hiram get elected, because then we'd have a different, a different perspective, a unique voice. But I will say this, Brian Pepin is unique, is, is eminently qualified for the job. He's a good guy, too. It was nice meeting him. You know, you hear comments on social media. You like this guy, you don't like that guy. When you meet him face-to-face, I mean, that's when you really get to know him. Yeah, Brian Pepin's a good guy, too. So, um, but I do want to mention that because, you know, we did a lot of conversation with Pete and we talked a lot about Hiram in last week's episode. But full disclosure, I want to make you aware that I've already talked to Brian Pepin. And um, I look forward to having both of them on the podcast Maybe not together, although that'd be a lot of fun, but uh, maybe having a debate on the podcast. Well, that'd be great. But uh, certainly just one of the candidates in me and just having a discussion and talk about the issues. I think that'd be great. Okay. How are we doing on time? It's been an hour and five minutes and we're still rolling here on the live stream. So um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, I've been also playing around with some of this functionality here on StreamYard, which is the software that I use uh, to stream across multiple platforms. It's kind of like Zoom, but it has special capabilities. And I can, you know, put other overlays on the screen like this one, the subscribe button. (laughs) I can encourage you subscribe to the podcast. You can if you're if you're watching on YouTube, click on the subscribe button right below, whether you're watching live or you're watching a recorded version and you want to click on the bell and you'll get updates on when we have new episodes. Now, my I told you my subscriber base in YouTube has skyrocketed in the last month or so, mostly because of my comments about Eileen Gu in the Winter Olympics. I'm up to like almost 475 to 500 subscribers. I'm trying to get to 1,000 because once I get to 1,000, then I have opportunities to monetize the podcast. Um, I have a couple of interesting things that we can do to, you know, to make this a little more interesting. So if you can subscribe, that would be really helpful for me. Uh, so I ask you that. But also you can subscribe whether you're on Apple Podcasts or on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. And by the way, if if you are interested, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or just leave a review, a rating and review. And if you think we deserve it, Love to get a five-star review. If you leave a five-star review, I will read it on the air in our next episode. Okay. All right, moving on. Uh, Now, we're going to go back to Poway issues here. 
And here Pete has another comment. I'm kind of sorry. I'm not there to really test your new stuff. I find the tiny weak spots technically. Well, thank you, Pete. I'm still experimenting, trying to improve up my game here on the podcast. I have some more work to do. No doubt about it. Okay. Um, I want to talk, this is more Poway stuff. And there was a really great article in the Union Tribune. And the name of the article is Padres Pitchers ready for spring training thanks to a work in a unique back, Poway backyard. And this was written by Annie Heilbrunn, who covers the Padres, and she's a Union Tribune writer. And this is all about a pitching coach here in Poway. His name's Dominic Johnson. And my son, this is my son's pitching coach back when he was playing ball. This guy is an incredible guy. And... um and it was, and he's usually always kind of on the lowdown. Uh, it was interesting to see an article written about him. Now, who's Dominic Johnson? Okay, Dominic Johnson is a former, um, you know, professional pitcher. He pitched in the minor leagues in the San Francisco Giants um, uh, system. His brother is Darren Johnson, and the two of them are baseball coaches. Dominic is a pitching coach. Darren is a batting coach. Their father was Darren Johnson senior, really, uh, who played, I think, for 10 years with the Angels and was also a coach for 15 years in Major League Baseball. This is a hardcore baseball family. And Darren Johnson and Dom Johnson at varying times have been coaches up at Poway High. I think Darren is still up there now. Um, But they both are coaches, not just of local high school kids, but collegiate kids and professional players. And so for Dominic Johnson, he's you know, a coach of a lot of major league pitchers. He's something of a, of a pitcher, a pitching whisperer. And he's a very interesting guy, an incredibly smart guy. I've had a lot of really good conversations with Dom Johnson in his backyard, which is what this article is all about. And like I said, my son went there, you know, actually starting, I think, in the seventh or eighth grade, which was something of a coup to get him in with him at that age. But Dom Johnson coaches these these pitchers, not just on the technicalities of how to throw a curveball, but on the mental aspect of the game. And he has an eye to see things in how pitchers are going about their business, on their mechanics, on their mental approach to can give just amazing advice. Now, he lives in Poway. I'm not going to tell you exactly where he lives, but in the center of Poway. And his backyard is turned into this um, like a, like a bullpen. There's like two pitching mounds, two home plates. It's surrounded by a bunch of like lounge chairs where guys just go out there and they hang out. You know, someone is getting instruction and there is a, a catcher there with all the gear on for safety reasons. And Dom's there coaching these people, but there's a, a vibe there that is extremely special. And for me as a father to be there was really cool because there would be major leaguers there that were, that were working on their game while my son waited for his lesson. There would be major leaguers that were working with my son. I mean, Joe Musgrove was there helping my son. So was Chris Devensky, who pitched for the Astros. I'm not sure where Chris is now, but he's a major league pitcher. Uh, you know, Phil Coke was there helping my son out. I mean, it was incredible. 
the vibe that goes on there. And the article was so well written by Annie Heilbrunn. She got it. She understood what it was about. It's, it's a place where pitchers can go, especially for the high-end guys. I mean, the younger ones are getting a lot of very serious technical work. But for the pros, it's a place where they can go and experiment. They can try new things without being under all the pressure of the major league pitching coach in the major league facility with the analytics guy with the computer and the video cameras and the radar guns. None of that's there. It's like a backyard where these guys just hang out. And sometimes, you know, you'll see, like I said, collegiate ballplayers are there, minor leaguers, major leaguers, elite high school talent are there. And it's just a very, very special place. And I'm happy that Dom Johnson is getting attention. And I know he doesn't want attention. I've never, I've often wanted to do a podcast all about about him. He'd be an amazing podcast guest. The things that he's done in in his career, not just as a pitching coach, but other things he's done in his career. He's a very smart guy, has a lot of really interesting takes on things. Um, But I've always been hesitant to say anything about him in my podcast because I know he doesn't like publicity. He's, I mean, people know about him because it's like, I know a guy who knows a guy. It's one of those sort of things. But once you're in with him, I mean, it's a very special place to be for pitchers. Um, And the article in the Union Tribune just did a great job. Annie Heilbrunn got it. And there's a great video there where you see them working out. And Musgrove was the one that really got some of these other Padre pitchers to go. Because Musgrove is actually Dom Johnson's godson. I guess there's a family connection. And so when Musgrove was in high school, he started really going and getting lessons with Dom Johnson. And to this day, I mean, before and after every one of Musgrove's starts, he's talking to Dom Johnson, going over, you know, the game plan, reviewing how it went. And Musgrove has been able to get some of the Padres to come up to Poway. And that's what was funny was making the rounds is, that there were pictures online on Twitter of you Darvish pitching in the backyard in, in Poway, of Mike Clevenger pitching in the backyard in Poway. And you see it, and it, it, it's a professional situ- a, a, a mound. But, you know, there's these lounge chairs hanging around. There's a, there's a mobile home in the back corner of the property, which I think is where Dom's mother-in-law lives. You know, it's all a big family affair there on the property. But it has like a a very casual vibe and it's really, really cool. And it was funny when you're seeing someone like you, Darvish or Mike Clevenger on Twitter in the backyard in Poway. And people are like, where are these guys? You know, and that launched the whole, you know, is Poway East County or not, which is kind of a funny joke running in in Padres Twitter. Um, But it looked like they were so out of place because it was you normally you see these pro pitchers at really high end facilities. And here it is just a bunch of dudes hanging out. But more importantly, they were they were working out during the lockout on their own holding each other accountable 
getting in quality work before they had to report to spring training. And and I remember in the article, Musgrove said it. He said, you know, I know this guy. He's my coach, Dom Johnson. He's a great guy. And you can come into his backyard and you can just throw. You can just pitch. You can try new things. And there's no one breathing down your neck. There's no pressure. He says, you don't even need to get any advice from Dom Johnson if you don't want it. But if you do want advice, he's really good. And he'll see things in your mechanics that you had never seen before in watching video or no one ever pointed out to you. He'll see it. And he'll make the tiniest of adjustments in your approach and get unbelievable results. I mean, I saw it with my son. I saw it with a lot of other pitchers when I was one of those dads sitting in one of those chairs. And I always kind of felt out of place as a dad because normally dads aren't there. Because it's it's collegiate minor league pro guys that are there. You know, but if it's a high school kid or younger, then the dads are there. I always tried to be, you know, <laughs> kind of invisible is the way I like to be when I was there. But I, I watched the work that he did. This guy is unbelievable. And I was really pleased to see him get a little bit of pub. You know, he deserves it. He deserves being recognized for what he does because he's so damn good at what he does. And it's incredible that these little treasures exist in our hometown of Poway. Poway's a remarkable city. I love living here. It's, it's been wonderful for my family. But it's always fun to, to see these little these interesting stories with interesting people doing really interesting things. So I encourage you, I'll have a link in the show notes. Um, but the title of the article, if you want to look it up, it's, on, it's still on the front page of San Diego Union Tribune.com. I think you have to be a subscriber to get the article. It's behind a paywall. Um, but it's Poway Pitchers Ready for Spring Training Thanks to Work in Unique Poway Backyard. I just, I really encourage you, even if you're not a Padre fan, you're just a Poway person, read the article. I mean, it's powerful. And there's a video that they did too. They're actually working out at Aubrey Field, or not Aubrey Field. Yeah, the Aubrey Field, uh, no, no, Hillary Park, pardon me, Hillary Park, where they have, where they normally play soccer. He was working with some of the pitchers there doing long toss because his backyard, you know, it's not big enough to do really big long toss. It's, it's a great it's a great article. So kudos to Annie Heilbrim. Okay, um, just a couple of closing thoughts here on the podcast episode. And again, thank you everybody who's been listening, who've been watching. Whether you're on the live stream on YouTube or Facebook, or you're listening to the recorded version, thank you. If you've gotten this far, but I want to just make two quick comments. Aztecs, man, NCAA starting uh, March Madness. Aztecs are playing Thursday at four thirty, playing Creighton. And we need to overcome the San Diego sports curse. Um, the Aztecs laid an egg last year playing Syracuse. That was a tough draw. Um, they got a tough assignment against Creighton. And if they're fortunate enough to win, they're going to play number one Kansas. But, you know, there's always a Cinderella in this tournament. Why not us? Okay, you know, I'm a Triton fan. I'm a, I'm a UCSD alumni, but I always root for the Aztecs. Always. And I'm so excited for them. This Thursday, 4.30, let's watch them play and let's wish them nothing but success. 
Okay. The last thing I want to talk about, and this is, uh, we got some more comments here from uh, Matt Brannigan. Oops, late for this one. We'll catch up later. Well, thanks, Matt. You've know, got a lot of good content here that I think you'll enjoy. The last thing I want to talk about is I had an amazing, an amazing experience, a business referral that I have to share with you. And it's Alex, the appliance repair guy. Oh my God. I'm, okay, I'm going to give you his contact information now. And I'm going to tell you the story and I'm going to give you the contact information at the end. So Alex from A-Tech Appliance Repair, this guy, it's not just a five-star review. This is a 99-star review. Okay. Uh, His phone number is 858-888-9927. And his email address is atechsandiego at gmail.com. The letter A-T-E-C-H, San Diego at gmail.com. That's how you can get a hold of them. So let me tell you the story. So about, I don't know, two or three years ago, we got a new refrigerator. <laughs> right now, refrigerators are insane expensive. But even like three years ago, they were expensive too. Our refrigerator was old and needed to be fixed. And the one thing that it didn't work on our old refrigerator was the ice machine, where you can just take the, the glass and put it up and then you get ice, which I love especially when I'm making a martini and I get to shake the ice. And when my ice machine doesn't work, it makes making martinis more difficult. I have to go. I was, I was actually going out and buying store bought ice and I put it into the container and it was just a disaster. And so it was finally time to upgrade the refrigerator. We got a new refrigerator. Like, like I said, two or three years ago, I was so happy with the new refrigerator. And then about six months ago, the ice machine crapped out. And I'm like, ah, no, I thought we had fixed this and it, we were going to be good. And normally on things like this, I can figure it out. And I like the challenge of figuring it out. And so I went online. I went on to, I watched YouTube videos about fixing ice makers. I researched the manufacturer of my refrigerator looking for ice uh, machine repair. I mean, I tried so many different things. You know, the, the line was frozen. The water filter needed to be changed. Um, you know, maybe the, the, the mechanism was faulty. I mean, so, there's so many different potential problems with an ice machine. And I tried them all and I couldn't get it to work. And then I was on Facebook. I was in the Poway Neighbors Facebook group. And this guy, Alex from A-Tech Appliance Repair was recommended. And oh my God, was I so happy. This guy, now here, listen to this. First of all, he came out to my house, which um, these days during COVID, that's hard to do to get some repair guy to come out because they're usually so busy. And a lot of repair guys are generally kind of flaky, but not Alex. (laughs) This guy shows up in his own truck, his own van. It's Perfectly professional. I got the full wrap. He, he he not only showed up on time, he texts me when he's on his way. He shows up. He's here on time. He wipes his feet on the welcome mat, comes in very friendly, very professional, goes in, did um, his analysis. You know, I got out of the room. I didn't want to be breathing down his neck while he's working on my refrigerator. He came back and he said, well, um, I think what it is is that the uh, um, 
we need a new part. Because apparently, and this is interesting to me, is that when the ice, when the water goes into the ice machine, it's going into a frozen zone, right? They actually have a little heater that's on the water uh, line that keeps it warm so the ice doesn't freeze and clog the line to prevent the water getting in to the ice machine, which is a common problem. So there was a heater and the heater had failed. So he got a new heater unit. He ordered it and then he came out, installed it, and we were hopeful that the problem was solved. And unfortunately, it didn't solve the problem. Okay, which is fine, you know. So I call him up, or actually I sent him a text message, showed him a picture. I go, hey, look, man, the ice machine bin isn't filling. And he goes, let me come out again. And same thing. He was back, I think, the next day, did further analysis. Now, normally this is where repair guys are going to take the weak way out. They're going to say, I don't know how to fix it. You know, they're not going to do their due diligence. They're not going to use their mind and, and reason to go deeper and to really understand why it's failing. He did. He went and researched this, went on to some technical forums with other people in his industry, and they figured out that there was a flaw in the design of the ice machine for my refrigerator and that the manufacturer had had this um, workaround solution that they had made available to the repair community. But we had to order another part. And he, he showed me exactly what was happening. I'm not going to go into all the detail. But the fact that this guy was, was hound-dogging it, was working for a solution, didn't give up, communicated with me every step of the way. And then when he came out you know, with the, the, the new part for the third trip, he didn't charge me for his time. He only charged for the part. I said, you need to be compensated for your time. He goes, nope, I just, just pay for the part. You've already paid me for this work on visits number one and two. And then that, um, that workaround from the manufacturer, it ultimately solved the problem. So, I mean, this guy was incredible. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many like people I try to get help for me around the house. Like I just had a guy in our backyard. I have like a pond that leaks. And I've had multiple repair guys come out here and work on it and then abandon the project. They just go, they fall off a cliff. They disappear. And then I try to get other people to come out here and they're too busy. I had a guy come out here two weeks ago, promised to give me a proposal in a few days. I still haven't seen it. I mean, it's a hell finding help, especially with COVID. It's made things terrible. But even before COVID, it's always hard to find a really good guy in a particular category. This guy, Alex, was awesome. Just awesome. And I, I immediately, I wrote a five-star review for him on Google. I wrote a five-star review for him on Yelp. And I'm t- giving you my full review here on my podcast because I thought this guy was so amazing. So here's his name and number again. His name's Alex. His company is called A-Tech Appliance Repair. His phone number is 858 858- I'm going to repeat that. 858-888-9927. His email is atechsandiego at gmail.com. That's A-T-E-C-H, San Diego, at gmail.com. 
This is an appliance repair guy. That means refrigerators, ovens, washers, dryers, washing machines, dishwashers, garbage disposals, garbage trash compactors. I mean, any appliance, that's what this guy does. Now, we had a refrigerator issue and a freezer issue. Guy was fantastic. I can't recommend this guy enough. So um, when I go in later and I splice this podcast up into different little chapters on YouTube to make them more digestible, this is going to definitely be one of the chapters. So uh, I, if you guys have a, an issue with any appliance, call this guy. You will not be disappointed. He's that good. Okay. Uh, wow. Uh, as you could tell, I was fired up for Alex. I, I saved until the very end of an hour and a half podcast episode. But like I said, I'll share more details on this later. So anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Really appreciate your support. Help me out. I'm trying to get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. That's my big goal right now. I'm at like 475 or so. I mean, I got a ways to go. But I had this huge surge in subscriber count. I almost doubled my subscriber count over the last month. Um, if I am able to get a couple of more of those kind of surges, I can get up to 1,000 subscribers. And then, I, then YouTube opens up a much more capabilities for us YouTubers to more effectively promote the podcast, to generate revenue, to do a lot of different things. But I got to get up to 1,000 subscribers. So your help there would be most appreciated. Um, and if you like, you know, like the episode, you can like it on Facebook and give a thumbs up on Facebook or on YouTube. That's always helpful. Helps the algorithms, you know, as we're trying to build the episode. Okay. So um, I'm still experimenting with all my cameras. Uh, this is camera two. I'm still experimenting with the colors. I have to have a second computer to do some of this. I tried to do it all on my one computer. I was overwhelming it. So I'm going to have a second computer in here, and I'm going to have to give that second computer access to, to my Ethernet rather than through Wi-Fi. That's why it's pixelating. Pete, you might be picking me apart here. <laughs> Beats the hell out of 55 subscribers, Pete. Well, you know what? Your subscribers are very loyal Corvette fans, no doubt about it. Um, but I'm still experimenting with some of this stuff in the podcast studio. I'm going to really kind of optimize this. You can tell the colors are a little bit funky here. Um, and I'm still experimenting. I've got these two new Brio webcams and I'm going to have some fun with these. So um, I want to thank you very much for listening. You know, thanks for watching. This is the John Riley Project. It's actually episode 269. If you're really wonky about this, we did episodes 270 and 271 with Pete last week. I thought I had done to episode 269, but in fact, I had written out my, my whole agenda for 269. I was going to review Joe Biden's State of the Union. And then, I don't know, something happened and I just never got around to actually doing the episode. So now I'm circling back so I don't have any gaps in my timeline. Now it's 269. Our next episode will be 272. And not sure when that's going to be. It might be tomorrow. It might be next week. But I always definitely try to do it at 2 o'clock. Definitely Wednesdays at 2 and hopefully other days at 2 as well. So again, friends, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll talk to you again sometime real soon. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. 
go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog, or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.